everybody. I'm Connor. That's Doug. And welcome to our podcast about The Office. Yes, this week we're focusing our attention on the gang of misfits at everyone's favorite mid-sized regional paper company. We'll start the show off with an in-depth examination of Michael Scott's many leadership qualities. Then, in honor of Dwight Schrute, we'll offer our definitive factual ranking of Bears, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica. We'll finish up this episode by dipping our toes into the true crime podcast waters with an investigation into the Scranton Strangler. What did Toby know and when did he know it? And where was Moe's Schrute during all this? Connor, Connor, how dare you drag the good name of Moe's Schrute through the beat-stained mud of your Scranton Strangler podcast. But luckily, this is not that podcast. This is The Bethel School District Presents a podcast about the Bethel School District, and we have a big show for you this week. In fact, we spent Saturday on location at Spanaway Lake High School for this year's Technology and Art Fair. We did indeed, and it was an awesome day. There's a lot of food, a lot of high-tech gadgets, and plenty of art. I had a chance to catch up with Ron Mayberry, our Director of Career and Technical Education. He said it was great to be back in person at this event. This year, seeing all these kids out there, our CTE teachers getting out there and showing all the STEM work they do, and how our technology in the classroom is you know, transforming learning. And yeah, it's great to get back. The teachers are excited and it's been great to see the public walking through. Our Director of Arts and Curriculum Integration, Mike Sacomano, said the event really showcases the talent of our students. To watch parents and even other teachers coming through and just really looking at the technique behind the art and what our student artists are able to create has, has just been wonderful. So we've got almost a thousand pieces on display that represent kindergarten all the way through grade 12 and a bunch of different mediums and it's really neat to see it all in one place again. And as he does every year our own superintendent Tom Siegel made his way through the art and even purchased a few pieces that he will display at the district office. I uh, must admit I'm enamored by a number of the different art projects over there including a necklace that was made by a third grader over in Elk Plain. There's just a remarkable display of the talent that we have here by our students and it's really well laid out so the staff has done a terrific job getting things lined up too. Really great to have that event back in person after a few year pandemic break and Doug you were at Bethel High School earlier this week and the meshing of art and technology doesn't just stop at the fair. That's right I was chatting with biomedical innovations teacher Jennifer Morrison and her class just finished up a pretty interesting lab. So for the past three weeks students have been engaged in a lab where they themselves are taking a gene and inserting it into a non pathogenic E. coli and growing that protein inside the E. coli. They then took the protein out of the E. coli, purified it, and we ran it on a gel to prove that their product is purified. And in the scientific community, that's used every single day, and that's how insulin is made, is it is made in E. coli, and then a biocontractor will purify that out and put it onto the market. So that's the science part, and now Morrison is weaving in some art. So we are taking auger, which is the home of bacteria where it can live and we're using it as a canvas to take bacteria that has been transformed by different genes that code for proteins of different color. So we have bacteria that is green, purple, pink, and blue, and our students are combining art and science today. And so in the end, our students will create auger with different pictures on them. For example, Alexander Fleming was the first person to do auger art when he discovered penicillin and then created auger art for the Queen of England at the time. And then there are lots of other ways that our students are learning how to combine 
just different art forms like dance and bio art with the science that they're learning as well. Wow, that's really cool. And it's great to hear how our kids are at the forefront of the intersection between art and science. It is. It's a really cool project, one of many going on here in the district. And we know behind every great project is a great teacher, and they can't do it alone. Every teacher has support in a variety of different ways, including our teachers on special assignment. Connor actually sat down with one of our TOSAs to talk about how they support teachers across the district. And joining us in studio today is one of our amazing elementary school TOSAs, Teresa Hernandez. How large is the scope of the TOSA program? Can you just name some of the different types of TOSAs out there? Sure. I have the pleasure, actually, of working with and collaborating with TOSAs of special education. There is also an early childhood education TOSA. There are language learner TOSAs and the secondary uh, toses as well as laptoses and then the technology toses. And your area of expertise, it sounds like you're doing mentoring. So could you tell us a little bit about what that entails, what you do and why it's necessary? Sure. It is a program that has been supported by the state of Washington. There's a BEST grant and it's for beginning educator support team. So we support first and second year teachers. We know that they have better success in those first couple of years as having some extra support. And the beauty that we have is that we are full release mentors, so we are able to go and support those teachers, uh, hopefully in a larger capacity than if there was a teacher in their building that's also working full-time doing their own teaching. All of us have prior teaching experience. I added it up at one point that just the elementary, secondary, and then we have specialist TOSAs for art and music. Um, we had over 150 years of experience between us. So we are experienced teachers that go in and help these brand new teachers. Wow, that, that's a lot of experience. So let's talk specifics about some examples of maybe how you would help a new teacher. What are some of the kind of general problems that first and second year teachers run into? We spend a lot of time talking to them and working with them on classroom management strategies to start off with. And then of course, always support in curriculum. Some of the typical things that we do is we provide a training. We focus on always Danielson is our focus, knowing that they are being observed and evaluated by that. So we bring up parts of Danielson that we're focusing on. We give them some training and some strategies, talk about it and have them practice some things. Then we go into their classrooms. We schedule a time to go and observe them. Then we debrief. How did it go? What are some things that you're working on? Currently, we're doing some recording of them teaching and having them reflect on their own teaching. And we found that that's a, a high impact uh, strategy for mentoring. So them also looking at themselves and reflecting on what needs to be better. We communicate with admin and they also give us some input based on our formal observations. Here's some ways that we could really see that you could go in and support them. It's sometimes modeling a lesson for them, giving them some strategies on how to have conversations with their colleagues, with their admin, with parents, with students, and so just all, all around. And sometimes it is a counseling session. We, we um, sometimes have tears and it's just a listening ear. As you mentioned, the T in TOSA stands for teacher. All of you were at one point classroom teachers. Could you tell me a little bit about your history as a teacher? Sure. I started out actually teaching sixth grade in a university place and I taught two years and left education. And so I think that's part of what makes me passionate about my current position. I came back into education um, as my kids got older and I needed a different type of job. I applied for a position at, and I got a place in preschool and just kind of worked my way up and found I was working in a building where I'm like, ah, maybe I want to 
be a kindergarten first grade teacher and so I worked in preschool for about five years in Bethel and then I uh, worked over at Nelson as a first grade teacher and then went to Elk Plain where I did a looping position of K-1. So my focus for me is really primary. It's really my passion is early learning and um, always in leadership kind of positions have worked with the literacy program and that's that's currently what I do as a TOSA as well, support that curriculum part. The TOSAs I know were all amazing teachers who loved their jobs and I imagine that there was a bittersweet aspect to leaving the classroom to becoming a TOSA. Could you talk a little bit about your decision to kind of get out of the classroom and become a TOSA? Well, it was an opportunity that I, I always thought I, I enjoy being in front of people and leading teachers. I'm I'm passionate about doing what's best for kids, and I felt like that expanded my impact by helping teachers become better. I always had it in the back of my mind, that's what I wanted to do, and uh, someone was retiring out of a TOSA position that was specifically this area, and I applied for it. I thought, well, I'll put my name in the hat, let's see what happens, and I ended up getting it, and I really, I had planned on doing it later, and in my career, but it, it was an opportunity that came up and it is, it's just something I, I feel really excited about. I enjoy, I love Bethel. I've been with Bethel most of my teaching career, about 17 years worth. And um, I just, I love, there's so many good things about Bethel. So I think part of my enthusiasm for working for a great district and education itself and then supporting teachers, the, the power of that has been fulfilling. You are still a teacher. You, you're you you're teaching teachers, but when you boil it all down, you're still teaching. What are kind of the biggest differences between classroom teaching, you know, teaching young students, especially the biggest difference between that type of teaching and then teaching the people who are now teaching those students? Uh, not much different. It's, it's still thinking about engagement and high leverage strategies as we're offering professional development for them. Because we are supporting our brand new teachers, we're in and out of classrooms, K through fifth grade, and so we're seeing lots of different grade levels and seeing how things are operating. So I think the difference is I'm not required to do grades or report cards for the teachers that I'm instructing, but we do uh, look at the feedback that we get from them and really try to to offer what's best to help teachers grow. I always say it's like being a grandparent. I uh, get to go into classrooms and spend a day and I can teach different lessons, but I get to go, I leave at the end of the day. I don't necessarily have all of the other clerical things. On the other side, we're taking care of our mentees, our new teachers, and doing some paperwork around that, but it's different in the, the whole making sure they're passing a test or those kinds of things. And what's the most satisfying part of this job? What keeps you coming in every day and happy about the job you do? Good question. I think really seeing teachers who sometimes struggle as they're going through their first and second year and really just figuring some things out and really becoming excited about teaching themselves. So that is very satisfying. Also knowing that by giving those new teachers that support, we're seeing student growth, even in the beginning teachers' classrooms, because that's that's equity. What we really focus on is equitable practices. How are we offering the same high-level rigor in a first-year teacher's class as a fifth or tenth-year teacher's class? So it's very exciting to see student growth. When we see how our students are achieving for our district, we take some ownership in that because we are leveraging those teachers. Thank you so much for joining us, Teresa. Really appreciate it. And that's our show. I must admit, I'm a huge Office fan. I'm a little bummed we didn't get to do the Office podcast today. Connor, who is your favorite minor character in the Office? 
Man, I gotta go with D'Angelo Vickers. I just really like to say that name. D'Angelo Vickers, was that Will Ferrell? Indeed it was. What about you? Who's your favorite? My favorite minor character, I'm gonna go with Robert Blatt, better known as Broccoli Rob, Andy Bernard's former classmate from Cornell. He was mentioned occasionally, but it wasn't until the very last season where we got to see him. And do you know who played Broccoli Rob? I believe that was Stephen Colbert. Wow, well done. And with that, we're out of here. See you next week, everybody. Thank you.